0: Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. Today we have a guest I have known since the mid-80s. We met through sharing a common guest, a contest judge for Rise of the Future, and a cherished guest for the event, Ann McCaffrey. He is the CEO of DragonCon. Welcome, Pat Henry. Hey, John. So I left your intro pretty, uh, pretty short because I think throughout the course of our interview, we're going to establish more how it came to be that you were probably the most qualified to actually create and build the, uh, the Dragon Con. So first of all, um, tell me a little bit about like what your life was like, how you started, and, and how it evolved to where you actually got involved in conventions and then conceived the idea of Dragon Con.
1: Well, how I started in the convention business is I was in the comic business, and I had a comic book store, and I needed to reach out to get a a more expanded clientele, and I wanted the clientele that I could sell old comics to, so I started doing shows. I did comic shows, I did game shows, I did uh, science fiction, I did uh, Star Trek shows, I did uh, Doctor Who shows and all in a searching for a customer base. And at some point in time, I thought, wow, this would be so much more fun if they did this. And uh, when I would go to the management of the show and suggest uh, what I thought, uh, I was pretty much informed that that was a great idea for me. Why didn't I go start my own show? And uh, while starting my own show, uh, I got in with seven guys, and uh, we're kind of a The plan was to create a show like we ourselves wanted to attend. And so we had, had, it was all on the science fiction convention base with opening and closing ceremonies, a banquet and a uh, con suite. And uh, we had uh, Michael Moorcock the first year as one of our guests. And additionally, we had gaming and we had comics. And uh, we became what uh, is currently today called the Big Tent Show. So that was kind of how we started. The plan was to make money. The plan was just to have a great show and uh, get our needs met uh, of having a great show. So uh, we did, and uh, the first three years we lost a good bit of money. And, uh, but after that, uh, we finally figured out how to, uh, how to make the show pay for itself, and we did that uh, for a number of years. And when the show broke even for the year, I would go to all the owners and I would whisper in their ears so they would know that uh, we were in business for the next year and it wasn't going to cost us anything. So that's kind of how uh, the Dragon Con came to be. Uh, we had uh, another guy that ran it. I was uh, the background guy and he was the front guy. I'm not a uh, real great in front of people. It's not my choice. Uh, to be in front of people, as a general rule, I'm much better in the background. And um, so I uh, worked on the business, I worked on the contracts, I worked on the uh, the vendor hall, and uh, anything that uh, was financially motivated within the show. Uh, so at any rate, and then in the year 2000, uh, my partner got arrested, and uh, I uh, was thrown into the into the front seat as uh, As the guy who had to make the deals and uh, set up programming and whatnot, when I came into my position, uh, I asked my wife if she would mind taking the position that I had left and be the business person and it was, which was very entertaining. Uh, people thought I was tight with the money, and once she took over, they found out I was just a spendthrift. Uh, she was really tight with the money. Uh, but at any rate, she came into the show, and uh, it began to uh, appear we had some objectionable elements in the Dragon Con, uh, just a secret room sort of thing, and we, uh, she and I decided that had no place at Dragon Con. Our children had been coming to Dragon Con since the first year, and uh, we uh, kind of cleaned it up. Uh, if it wasn't something that we wanted our children to go to we uh, got rid of it and uh, just kind of moved along a little bit every year. So in uh, in 2001, we probably had, I don't know, 10,000, maybe uh, 10,000 guests. We had our first parade. That was the first year, Sherry, and I took over. And then we had, uh, from there, I guess in 2019, we had 85,000. So families of all kinds, I get uh, lots of... Email and uh, pictures of the whole family dressed up, uh, dressed up like the Incredibles, uh, dressed up like the Flash. Uh, Dad's dressed as the Golden Age Flash, and the kids. One of them is uh, in the Flash red, and one's in Kid Flash, uh, the yellow and red, and uh, so all kind of things that the uh, is is great to have uh, at the show. So that's pretty much how it came to be. Um, we have a parade every year, which is apparently a big deal. We uh, have had a number of people as the marshal of the parade, the grand marshal. Uh, Stan Lee, the first year he came, his agent wouldn't let him uh, be in the parade. He said, oh, no, Stan's tight. It's too, too valuable. And Stan was going from uh, one hotel to the other and saw the parade out there and asked me what that was. I said, oh, it's a parade, but, uh, but you can't be in it. He looked at me and he said, "Oh yeah, I can. I'll be back next year." I said, "Okay, you can be in it." And uh, <laughs> we had a we had a great time with him. Yeah, we, uh, we actually we actually did a look alike contest for Gwen Stacy and uh, Mary Jane Watson lookalikes, who both rode with Stan in the parade the next year. So, anyway, it's just a lot of fun.
0: It was a lot of fun. It was. It's interesting because I was going to dragon con several times in the 80s and i guess in the uh early 90s but as you were saying just some of the the secret rooms there's actually a, a secret floor that you had to be 18 or over to go into or get onto. and it was um at that point i said okay i'm this convention's not for me and then i don't know what it was it was um someone said no it, it's a whole different scene right now and so i i uh, said okay let's just just try it again. This was in the early 2000s, and so we submitted. And because we were friends from before, um, I was able to get a booth. Because you've got like about a a, a three lifetime waiting list to get in there. Because it, it's so
1: well, so. yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, it, it's quite a wait. However, uh, John, you know people, yeah, so there yeah, you, go. you got a guy.
0: Yes, so thank you.
1: N- anything so, I can ever do. I
0: appreciate I, that. Yes, yeah. so, but anyway, we the went belt. there, and it was just, I was just. I was shocked. I was shocked at the difference in the convention. It's, my, the main, like I told you, when we had that one event, that that private event that we went to, that it's just the main. All I could say, like this, is a really family-friendly convention, and uh, people were readers and they were coming there, and we were like, I was having a great time at the booth, seeing a lot of authors. Obviously, because of Writers of the Future, we we're able to help out too on on inviting some of our judges, and um, that's something that. We did when uh, you came as a guest speaker for Rise of the Future, which we'll talk about a bit later, but um it was just I was just really so amazed, and so uh, we've been going ever since um, that realization that this is a family friendly convention now, so that's well it's definite kudos to you and your wife and your whole family
1: Thank you yeah I guess speaking of family friendly for the most part, my two daughters now do most of the running of it, so yeah i think it's going to maintain that family friendly for quite some time
0: yeah which is which is i think is important now dragon con is a i mean we have i've attended a lot of conventions over the years and normally they're in a convention hall and you've got one huge hall that um everybody sets up their their um you know their booths in or their stands depending on what country you're in and dragon con's not that way you've got you know describe how it's how it's different with the way you've got it set up
1: well we we have it set up for the most part in hotels uh the hotels are much more uh user friendly um, than the uh, convention centers most of the convention centers have very few places to sit hotels have lots of places to sit uh the food in convention centers is not great uh the food in hotels is much fatter and that there's a, it's a competitive uh, thing between the hotels to uh, to sell food. Um, and just, we found the hotels are just much more friendly, particularly uh, if you sell a lot of hotel rooms for them, which we do. We sell out of hotel rooms pretty quickly. Um, all, all I have to do is get somebody to come down uh, one time, and they pretty much want to come and buy a hotel and stay next year's coming. So uh, it's just a lot friendlier, and uh, we always... Are very close to being able to get uh, a beverage or a sandwich, and uh, we can come and go, get a little outdoor fresh air uh, between the venues. Um, They, when we first got going on multi-hotels with the Hyatt and the Marriott, there was no bridge, and uh, then they built a bridge between the Hilton around 2008 when we had the Hilton incorporated, and now we have a bridge between the three main hotels. And uh, so you can walk between without going, even going outdoors, um, and keep that friendly environment. The uh, hotels love us, and they want to uh, keep us around. So uh, it's it's amazing. And our people, the, our, let's t- let me talk about it. The fans, sure. Uh, people that read science fiction, they are the greatest people in the world. They are kind. They are polite. They say thank you. They appreciate things. Uh there it's just an incredible uh audience that we have that comes to DragonCon every year. And frankly in every science fiction convention, uh they're they're more charity oriented uh than the average person. Um and just generally terrific.
0: Yeah, you've so, got that you've got the um Heinlein blood drive that gets run there, which is I think is the biggest blood drive for the Heinlein blood drive, it's, maybe there's one other one with the, with the U.S. military that they have um, more blood that gets donated, but it's like upwards of over 3,000 pints of blood that get donated at the Heinlein blood. We've worked a lot with them because uh, Elwin Hubbard and, and Robert A. Heinlein were, were good friends, and so we did a whole thing. We provided uh, gift books for people. They donated a uh, pint of blood. But it's just amazing. That's right. you're You're... This it's just huge. That's just a major. That's it's. I think it's a, the bottom floor of one of the one of the big hotels, which is the whole setup there it for is, the. Right
1: It's it's the Hyatt.
0: It's the Hyatt, yeah.
1: At the and and yeah, we're charity people. The 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 fans are. Um, you know, we've good grief. The past uh, five years, we've donated over half a million dollars, raised over half a million dollars for charities. Uh, we do local charities. So we do a hundred thousand dollar match. To uh, help encourage people, uh, this coming well in 2020 it was going to be the Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, before that's been American Heart, it's been the Cancer Society, it's been diabetes, a number of places that we uh, we raise money and uh, and donate it.
0: Yeah, that's that that's quite impressive. And the whole thing of of you know all the readers that are there, like how did that evolve? Because before it was there was a lot of you know, the celebrities, there's a whole big section there where you have your um, science fiction and fantasy celebrities They are there for signing autographs and whatnot, and there was the various gaming rooms and whatnot. But it's, it seems to have grown a lot more with respect to the authors. you got the huge writing track that Jody Lanai uh, teaches. So there's just right, a, a right, we... How many panels or how many different activities or how many events do you have there? You know, the, the panels, the events and stuff like that, do you have at a, a typical Dragon Con now?
1: Oh, man, 35 to 40 panels at any given time uh, during the day and until about 6 in the evening. So we have lots. We have writers' workshops. We have writers' uh, tracks with programming. We have, uh, you know, you guys have done a number of panels for us, both the illustrators and the art show and the, uh, and the writers, uh, and writers of the future, Right. Uh, telling people what's going on there. Being a, a reader helps because there are people I want to meet. And, uh, and, and I appreciate our relationship with you and that sometimes you, you have made that possible for me to get people that, uh, I would not have able, been able to necessarily get to. I, I love it. I love, uh, I love to have writers. Um, they, uh, are, they're good people and, uh, it's, it's my pleasure to host them. Yeah. And, uh, and I think you guys also host, I believe, a, a dinner with, uh, with a number of your people and. You know, over at Pity Pat's
0: porch, yeah. <laughs> which is
1: an Atlanta highlight. So,
0: yeah, it's it's amazing. There. Now, one thing too that the your art showroom—that's one thing that's just I think needs special uh, comment on, because as the uh, art shows around the country are getting less and less at the conventions, they're just like I, for whatever reason. I don't really know all the ins and outs of it, but the uh the art show with Dragon Con has grown and it's um, it's amazing what it you know what you've been able to do there to uh, provide that outlet for the aspiring artists as well as the established artists we we have several of our illustrators the future judges that participate in your uh in the art art uh room you know so that's That's just something. How did that establish, or why is that such an important thing for DragonCon? Not just reading and not just gaming, but the whole thing of the art.
1: Well, in 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 all honesty, once once again, we are built, and this is I mean, this is kind of my watchword: is we are built on the basis of a science fiction convention, an old time science fiction convention. With the I left the art show out earlier with the charity auction, the art show, the opening, the closing, the banquet. And the Con Suite, we are a science fiction convention that has branched into other things. Um, and those particular items, the art show, uh, the Con Suite, all of those are, are fundamental, and I will not let go of them. They, uh, they, whatever support they need, we've been very fortunate. We've had some really great art show directors that understand that um, this, is, this is about the artist. This is a draw for Dragon Con. It is not about Dragon Con needs to make money, um, which is is kind of fun in that uh, Dragon Con has, for the most part, never needed to make money. Uh, we started in the first, I don't know, 15 years. We weren't making money anyway. Uh, the plan was just to have a show. So uh, it, it isn't the first and foremost thing that Dragon Con thinks of. Uh, if we can uh, bring in guests and, and make a better show, then that's what we'll do. And so with the art show, we can afford to. I think we don't we don't charge anything on the art sold, and we just don't worry about it. Um, we're glad that the artists come and, and make a living. So,
0: that's that's just amazing. So now on, yeah. So now on the subject of you know you're talking about you know writers coming. So, what is involved? What does it take? I'm sure there's various tiers uh, to this. But to um, for a writer or an artist to be considered as a guest for DragonCon, what 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 does that entail?
1: Well, okay. There's a a writer or an artist. uh, They need to. We we do go and seek out artists and and authors, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, But then they we also have a way that they can apply. They can put in a, a request for membership, and in that they can tell us what their needs are, if it's simply a badge uh, or they need a badge possibly for uh, somebody else who's with them. Uh, it, it's very simple for the most part. We look to see if we can provide them with some programming to give them some face time with the crowds. And uh, if so, then we'll ex- we'll put them on the acceptance list. Um, the COVID might be a little different this year, but for the most part, we love to have riders. Uh, and in order to expand the number we could have, we also do a, uh, a, what we call a pro listing. So if you don't have enough books to really be what we call a prime guest, we can still put you on board if you're a professional writer and you're still working to make your bones, so to speak. Um, th- that's one level. The other thing, if you need a hotel room, let us know. If you need airfare, let us know. Uh, we have some people that we keep bringing back every every year, uh, whenever they say yes, it's great. I think Peter David falls into that. Uh, Larry Niven falls into that. Uh, we've had a number through the years of people that just, yep, yeah, I'll be back. Same deal. And uh, and so that's how we, uh, we handle those. But uh, the best, just apply, let us know what you need, and we'll try to make a place for you.
0: Which is, um, yeah, that's just, that's amazing because we've had several of our judges that have, that have come in. And, and, um, actually it was, it was, uh, what four years ago when you were the guest speaker at writers of the future. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I lose track of time with, with, with the pandemic. I was just kind of like, yeah, so we're ready to release volume 37 this coming year. So that would be then three and a half years ago. Yeah. So you were our, our uh, guest speaker at, uh, the rise of future awards event. And we're gonna branch off on that right now, then we'll get back to the to the convention here. So that was that was just so much fun. And it was amazing how many people were fascinated with your story of dragons. Uh that's something that well. people don't know, but there's so many dragon stories, and there actually is a whole technology, even if it's if it's in the fantastical world, but there's still nevertheless a technology on the difference between a dragon and a wyvern and all the, you know, there's, there's different things. So can, if you're prepared, you know, for little Dragon 101?
1: Well, if, if you ever run into a dragon, it's always good to know specifically what sort of dragon and what can be expected. For instance, if you run into a red dragon, you wouldn't want to cover yourself with lard to protect yourself from cold because that's quite flammable and a red dragon breathes flame. So that just wouldn't work at all. On the other hand, if it's a blue dragon, then possibly the Lord would help protect you because they have an ice breath, and the Lord might keep you surviving. Uh, so whatever dragon you may come to, it's always best to know what, uh, what type of dragon and what to expect. Some dragons are known to be uh, very noble and, and kind, uh, i.e. the gold dragon. Uh, others are known to be uh nasty and breathe poison, so you know a primer on the dragon is always always a good thing um but uh for the most part, dragons are larger than you, so it's always good to be polite and respectful <laughs> and uh just just like you would uh any anybody who could uh eat you so
0: so there. So well, there you go. Yes. <laughs>
1: it on Dragon. Yeah. Be careful.
0: <laughs> okay, good. So now when you came to Los Angeles and for the Rise of Future Awards event and, and seeing some of the workshop, any comments about that?
1: Yes. That is remarkable. First, the, the hospitality. Um, I, have, I know a lot of science fiction writers and artists, and it was like old home week for me to see all the people out there and working. Uh, The riders, let's go with the riders, Jody and and, uh, whatnot, a lot of riders out there working uh, to help other riders become better. You know, in, in a world where we've heard of people getting in the boat and bringing the ladder up after them, this is the exact opposite. This is people that are in the boat pulling people on board the boat and saying, hey, plenty of room, let's enlarge the pie and do some great things. It was incredible that uh, Mr. Hubbard had set this up uh, to create a better industry uh, than when he found it. Um, It's it's incredible. And the same thing with the the artists. Incredibly talented people uh, who might not have gotten a chance to get into the industry, and now they have a a vehicle through you guys to, uh, to get in the industry and start writing. We have a number of the people that have won the uh writers of the future that come to the show every year so and yeah. they have they now have careers with it eric flint being one of the guys that uh, comes to mind you know he's terrific but what would he how would he have broken in without you guys
0: yeah he, that's so, what yeah, he said i just did yeah i just did an interview with that uh, with eric earlier this week and he was uh saying that that was that's how he got his introduction. That's that's how he got to start as a writer was winning in the Writers of the Future contest, and obviously now he's a uh, many time over New York Times best selling author. He just recently started his own publishing house, and it's just doing amazingly well. He was back in Volume right. Eight.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. He's he's created a world that other writers want to want to write in. Yeah,
0: sixteen thirty two. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. Yeah. The sixteen thirty two world, um, which is incredible, and and. All because of what you guys have done, and he 's not the only one, yeah, there are other people that may not be as well known, but they 're still writing and and there 's a future there for them. eric eric 's an extremely talented guy, and you know I think it 's great to give people an opportunity to put forth their best efforts uh to to accomplish a dream that 's you know not as easy as uh as one might think, yeah, so it, there's there's a lot of people that think they can write, but coming through you guys, you get a, a guest who you know can write. Plus, you guys take care of them, you teach them. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful what you and Galaxy Press do with those guys.
0: Thank you. And yeah. gals. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The um, our our first, I guess, our first connection was over a, an amazingly brilliant woman, Ann McCaffrey. She was. She was just such a sweetheart, and she w- she became a judge of the Rise of the Future contest in Volume Two, and she was incensed that she hadn't already been invited uh, by the second year when Al just approached her. But um, she was such a lovely person. She loved her root beer, so every time she, we brought over, you know, brought over to uh, to Los Angeles, I'd have a whole row of all types of brands of root beer, and she inscribed one of her books to me, saying thank you for providing the root beer for me every time I'd come over. But um, we would work it out where we'd split her because she had to, f- because of, of her age and having to have a, you know, good seating, she was, well, we flew her out to a business class, and um, so we'd split, you might know, would fly her out to LA, which at that time, the Rise Future event was usually about a week before Dragon Con, and then you'd pick up, then we'd, we'd split it, so I'd bring her out there, and then we'd split between la and atlanta then you'd you'd cover the bill sending her back to ireland after dragon con was over but she was great and she was um she was definitely a wild woman in her uh, electric chair tearing through the aisles at yeah. dragon con
1: yeah she was she was great we actually uh you know she uh we uh first time we got her we had to bring her over on a cruise ship uh, which was exciting uh, <laughs> but uh but you're right we could we could fly her and we appreciate your helping with that and as the uh the electric wheelchair we had to take away from her. Um, yeah we, yeah we just no 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 too many uh, injuries involved and not to Ann. she was uh, she was a go 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 and uh, at any rate uh, we eventually just provided her with somebody to uh, escort her wherever she went push her in a chair or whatever yeah we were fine with that but.
0: yeah she, we had a play that we did because you have a theater there as well the Atlanta Theater
1: something like that. The, the Atlanta
0: Radio Theater. Yeah, yeah, you do a, a show there, or they have a, a performance that They do, and we did one of our Ellen Herbert stories. There, where Anne was participating in that um, one year, but she was that was her first love was wanting to be in theater. She wanted to be a performer, and a burn her throat and and her vocal cord prevented her from being a, a singer. So she was she transferred over then to being a writer. Yeah, I
1: think I think we all made out better with that deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the current the books are are very nice. And she,
0: yeah, she,
1: she certainly was a great writer.
0: Indeed. So now, one thing I've not, you know. So anyway, so you were a uh, a guest speaker then for Rise to Future. But one thing is that an amazingly cool outcome from my perspective is how since then and with your having uh, seen what we do there. The hospitality for writers and illustrators of the future just went to all new stratospheric levels when you saw the uh, you know what we did with our art contest, and then providing a, a booth there in the art show that we could have there and, and talk to people about the illustrator contest and a and a bay where we could then feature all the previous years' winners with their art and uh, a panel that we've been doing. So it's amazing what has. It, you know has transpired since then, the number of entries in the contest too, because of that increased visibility it was very, very notable. So I would just want to over the podcast you thank you for that because it was it made an amazing difference.
1: well you're, well, you're welcome, but thank you. I mean, it's one thing to hear somebody say that, "Oh, we do this, we do this, we do this, you know, uh-huh, but when I was out there and I saw it, if anything, you guys are you guys aren't even blowing your own horn nearly enough. <laughs> to, uh, the event itself—what a first-class event! Uh, not to mention the week before, the cl- caliber of the uh, of the uh, talent you have out there, both uh, from an art standpoint and from a writing standpoint—it's incredible. Um, yeah, I was I was sitting in your office waiting to meet you for an espresso, and uh, what was it? Uh, Larry Niven and I were talking. He'd been at the show, and Dr. Parnell came and sat down. And he started hinting that I should bring him to the show, and I kept talking to Larry. And uh, eventually I said, okay, we'll bring you He said, well, I need two. And, and the, the connection there, and, and he came to Dragon Con, and I, I believe that was the last show he did. It was. But, uh, you know, the, the talent that you guys bring is just incredible. And just to s- be able to sit on the couch waiting for an uh, espresso <laughs> and r- run into Dr. Purnell, I mean, holy mackerel. Yeah, um, that just doesn't happen everywhere.
0: No, no, that's yeah. It's amazing. Some of the uh, some of our judges who are also um, special guests for you. We've got uh, Robert J. Sawyer from Canada. He's been a judge. He, yeah. he he entered the contest until he until he proed out and couldn't enter anymore. But he became a judge. And we've got Kevin Anderson and Rebecca Mesta. They've, they're regulars in for Dragon Con. They've been judges yes. for years. And he entered the contest almost twenty times. Let's see who else we, we got. Jody. Just yeah, Jody, Jody, Lanai. Jody Lanai and uh, Todd McCaffrey as a judge, and he, he attends uh, the Dragon Con. And yep. um, we've, just, you know, we've just had, you know, we have several people in our illustrator judges. We've got Ciarello, and we've got Larry Elmore, Larry. and Echo Chernick, and um, Lazarus Chernick. Yeah, and your, um, uh, your guest of honor a few years ago, Stephen Martiniere, he's there as well. Anyway, so it was good that we were able to, you know, that symbiotic relationship to be able to help you out, too, which is important. But, yeah, it's it's important for, you know, as it was, it was important earlier on in the 30s and 40s when Mr. Hubbard himself was one of the, the top names in writing in general. He wrote not just science fiction and fantasy, which he, he did in the Golden Age, but prior to that, he was a mystery, adventure, a, a Western, some romance. He did all those other genres as well. And that's because of his, his success as an adventure writer specifically, uh, Street and Smith pulled him into, which is the, the major um, uh, publisher of the day in New York, that pulled him into help out in uh, turning around astounding science fiction with the new editor, uh, John W. Campbell. So a lot of, of what he was doing then, he wrote several articles for... Writer's Digest and other writing publications to be able to help out um, other writers and even C.L. Moore, Kathy, Catherine Moore was one of the first judges on the start of Writers of the Future, and there's a lot of correspondence between them about her becoming a writer and how she evolved as a writer and she eventually married Harry Cutner and and um, they wrote a lot of books together of, of you know during that time period, but um, no, what what Mister Hubbard created. Back then, and again in 1940 when he created his Golden Pen Award in uh, in Ketchikan, Alaska, when he was on an expedition for the Explorers Club, and then again now in 1983 after having successfully uh, re-entered the science fiction field with his release of Battlefield Earth, which, by the way, was such a fun time when we did our 2016 re-release at Dragon Con. Oh, my word. That was... Yeah. That was so much fun. We were in the parade. We had our big yes. nine foot turtle in the full body costume. That was created, right?
1: The hijinks jinks of Galaxy Press. Yes, <laughs>
0: yes, and you, you were right in there as well with uh, with uh, you know the, the it, release he that had
1: that big display as you came around into the vendor hall. Yeah, exactly. Awesome.
0: And you were there making yes. sure he had a badge. So uh.
1: <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> that things must be done.
0: That was a lot of fun. And then we had them, you know, we had then interl in, the, uh, in the parade, and that was, that was definitely a lot of fun. But um, anyway, no, Mr. Hubbard created the whole thing there to be able to not just pay it forward, but to provide a venue for aspiring writers. And five years later, because of the success of the writing contest, aspiring artists, a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. So when we're able to work with friends like yourself that just take it to a whole new level, it's it's really good because that just means that many more people have that opportunity. And while we have a lot of entries to the contest, there's no other science fiction or fantasy uh, contests as big as Writers of the Future. That's just by a long shot. But the main thing about though too is that it levels the playing field because everybody has the opportunity to enter and... So there's so, many, right. there's so many writers at Dragon Con and aspiring writers and they want to find out what about this and what about that, that having this immediate connection to writers of the future through Dragon Con has made a big difference there. And we've, we've had some people that have, have written in, sent us videos and testimonials and stuff that found out about it through writers, through uh, Dragon Con. So that's, you know, that's, I just really enjoy conti- that we're going to be continuing working together.
1: Well, absolutely. We we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the guests. We appreciate the quality of you guys. I have yet for anybody with uh, your operation, with the Writers of the Future, Galaxy Press, anything, any of, of the uh, associations, to ever tell me something uh, that, that you guys would do that you didn't do. And in, in this business that I'm in, in the convention business, that's rare. Um, you guys are super stand-up and have been the whole way. If, if anything, you've undersold as opposed to oversold, um, but you know, and it's just great working with you guys.
0: Well, well thank you.
1: So we we appreciate it, and let's let's absolutely keep it going.
0: Okay, great. We definitely will. Now, for we talked about it a little bit already, but now for someone who's who's a writer, like what's the importance of a convention for a writer, an aspiring writer, an established writer, a pro writer? Um, explain a little bit more, because that's a lot of what our audience is for this podcast.
1: Well, the, the first, the, the the big word is connection. The the big word is connection. Uh, to come to a, a show, you're going to hopefully get you get some time in front of uh, fans, and that will make you, that will make you'll be better established, and you'll be you'll know more people. My wife tickled me the other day. She said, you know, I wasn't a big fan of John Ringo till he handed me a book, and I read it. <laughs> and, I, and I thought she was just kidding, but years ago, um, to, to meet in front of people and to, to make a connection is just incredible. Um, you need to go to become, become better known, uh, to meet other professionals, other writers, and uh, you can get into their worlds, or they might want to get into yours. Or there's a uh, the number of, of talents that, that can be shared. And there's always selling books. Always selling books. Yeah. But, you know, connected better to agents, it's a relationship world. And th- those relationships are formed at uh, at conventions. Um, I remember the first convention I went to, the first science fiction convention I went to, I all of a sudden was whole. I uh, I wasn't reading in the back of my classroom all by myself. I wasn't reading at home all by myself. I was with a, a, a whole bunch of people that not only read what I read, they had the feelings I had about science fiction and and uh, fantasy and horror and I could share with them thoughts and, and whatnot. And uh, authors at conventions, we can do that as well. The fans can share their thoughts with uh the, the writers and even point out things possibly the writer wasn't even aware of at the time but um but the connections is the big deal uh at, at shows and whether it's with fans agents or you know and then then there is selling books but
0: yeah that's my reality too that it's just a a, a really great way to meet people that's why i've met several of my uh of the writers of Future Judges is from attending conventions, getting to know people and going out, having coffee and sharing a meal and just, you know, who are they? And, you know, and just that's, that's been an amazing feature to be able to do that. And DragonCon is the best place to do that because it's just so everywhere you go, you can go someplace, there's a restaurant there. And we're downtown Atlanta is just such good food. It's available there. So it's, it makes a wonderful ability to do that.
1: Well, thank you. I think I forgot to tell, say that we were in downtown Atlanta. Well, we didn't <laughs> now.
0: <laughs> we didn't now.
1: <laughs> it's out now. It's out now.
0: One of the questions, which I have meant to ask earlier, why is it called DragonCon? And it's not the reason that I thought it was for so many years.
1: Dragon DragonCon, uh, it, 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 it inspires. It, dragons are in space. Dragons are in fantasy. Dragons are in games. Dragons are in comics. Dragons in everything. And it, it is uh it also has some size to it. And uh when we got going we did have some ambition to create uh, a show that would, would uh eventually be large enough to support itself. And uh so that's more or less where we went with the dragons. Um it was uh it, it just fit all all the bases we wanted to touch. Uh so hence we were we were DragonCon. Uh we certainly didn't want to stick a name on it of anything, but um, like I say, dragons worked. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I was going to ask you now. So, talking about the Dragon Award, that's gone through quite a quite an evolution as well since uh, the beginning. Of it's now taken a whole right, new, right. a whole new direction.
1: Well, the Dragon Awards, uh, uh, I had uh, approached all of my buddies uh, that are volunteers and senior level volunteers, and I had wanted, uh, like, kind of like Oprah's reading list. Books are expensive, and I wanted to say, hey, we need to hedge our bets here. We need some things that we can do a reading list. People can say, oh, yeah, that's good, and we can we can save people some money. And somehow somebody said, oh, let's do awards. And while not my – I must admit that was not my idea, um, but we went with it. And, uh, and that uh, we were going to do awards, and the things that we did insist on is we wanted everybody to be able to vote on the Dragon Awards. I did not want to set up just because they come – to Dragon Con that their opinion counts, and those who couldn't come to Dragon Con, their opinion doesn't count. Uh, I wanted to make it open to everybody, and we have. Uh, we uh, try to secure that the votes will not be rigged. Uh, we do that, of course, through monitoring IP addresses and whatnot. We do quite a bit to make sure each are individual votes. And this year, I think we have 15 uh, different categories that people can vote on, ranging from comics to film. Uh, of course, science fiction and fantasy uh, and, and games. So we have a, a number of things. And as they become more popular, we will expand into more areas. And occasionally we will uh, we will take an area and rest it for a year and then bring it back in another year or two. So,
0: so how does somebody probably, get on the ballot?
1: It's voted. It's voted. Nominations. We do nominations. The nominations are open now for 2021. And uh, people just nominate what they like, and so these are books to, that were
0: released pub dates in twenty twenty. Is that how that is for what's happening now? Uh, yeah.
1: As a matter of fact, the actual dates are on the uh, or the website. Okay. And uh, it'll it'll have all the information. And you don't have to vote for everything all at once. You can go back in and finish your ballot. Okay. You just can't change something you voted on. So we were conscious that it would probably detract if you had to vote on all 15 categories at one time
0: yeah that's so. that's a good thing there on that so so yeah. basically going to it's dragoncon.org the
1: website yes dra- dragoncon.org and then go to awards okay or you can google award dragoncon awards and find it there
0: okay that's good so now yeah. <clears throat> on um that award i mean it's just, it started and you said it was 2016 and that it's, it has rapidly become one of the top awards because of the fact that it's a fan award it's not um right. anything okay. else there it's 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 quite it's become quite the coveted award out there in science fiction and fantasy
1: you can't buy it we don't it's we're not for sale Dragon con does fine we don't we don't need money we're good yeah uh, we at this point uh we do what we can for the industry um not. Unlike what Riders of the Future doing, but you guys have been at it a whole lot longer than we have.
0: Yeah, but it's just it's great that you've come in there because that's something that it, it fills a hole because it really is the a fan favorite. What If you win a Dragon Award, then that's, it's the fans that like you. It's not um, a group. Right. It's not anything. It's like the fans that said, okay, this is my favorite this, this is my favorite that. And, um, it is quite, an I, I was there, <clears throat> helped present at, um, not last year, because it, it didn't happen, but the year before, Emily and I did the yep. uh, presentation, and it was, it was, um, it was a lot of fun, but it, it was definitely a great recognition, and some, you know, some big-name science fiction and fantasy authors that were there in the audience, waiting to find out if they were winners, so, you know. Um,
1: right, we, we're, we're delighted with it, it's coming along, uh, just. Just fine, and uh, you know it. It gives people an idea, but the nominees are are are, are good are good product. So, any nominee, um, it, it gives me kind of the the uh, reading list I wanted. Um, but uh, and at the end, uh, we find out who the popular for the fans.
0: Right. So. Well, that's great. So, now just as a as a overview, reviewing what we've talked about already here. So advice sent for the aspiring writer or artist with respect to conventions if you can just like encapsulate that again so then you're okay here's you know this is what you need to do obviously from your perspective um from by running one of the, the largest science fiction and fantasy conventions um in the world so just and it's this will apply to other conventions as well not just dragon con but just you know the if you're going to do it, this is, this is what you need to do to prepare for it, to take advantage of it and get the most out of it.
1: Okay. Talk to the convention you want to go to. Let them know you want to come. You need to go and make connections. You need to be there. You need to connect with fans. You need to connect with agents. Given the opportunity to do programming, do not ever turn that down. It gets you on a panel. It gets you in front of more people, and it can make more connections for you. So while you're helping the promoter, you're also helping yourself because he's about programming and you're about connections. So that's a very big thing to have uh, at a show. Uh, you will build your fan base, and as that as that builds, you'll sell more books. As books are sold, possibly some awards or whatnot, you'll become more desirable conventions. Uh, eventually. Uh, if they start with just a badge, eventually you may end up earning a hotel room, airfare, whatever, as you become a bigger uh, celebrity and a bigger pull. It, with DragonCon, we look for people that will bring people into the show, and we put them up. So it all depends on how you present yourself as far as what what kind of offers you'll get back. Uh, it's probably best to ask for what you need. To begin with, because if somebody asks for too much, of course, we'll turn them down based on uh, we have too many we have too much uh, uh too many hotel rooms out for the year already, so ask for what you need, but ask volunteer volunteer to do things for the show, uh, whatever it may be uh, if you have the ability to MC you could volunteer to do that, possibly host a panel maybe between uh a couple of other authors. So, a number of things you can do to make yourself more desirable to the convention. And keep writing.
0: Yeah. So, basically, don't automatically disqualify yourself. Don't just, okay, I'm not big enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. You should just... No, no, You should, no. You should reach out That's there and communicate first and then you can work out what your level of of acceptance is. But if you're, if you're a writer and if you're definitely earnest in Making it as, as a career as a writer or an artist, by all means, it will be right. received in, in that light from DragonCon's
1: end. And, and we will respond. And, and do not, uh, sometimes we have, we have invented a pro status, which is not exactly a guest status. At some point, I was getting in trouble, not in trouble, I don't get in trouble, but people were talking about how I would have so many guests at the show. And I think I stopped at 500. I thought 500 was a nice number. Um, <laughs> and yeah,
2: exactly.
1: Uh, so people thought that was a bit excessive. Um, and, I, and I still wanted more people in, particularly early writers and, and people that I thought, wow, you know, this this could work out. Um, you know, back back in the day James O'Barr when he first put out Crow. Hey, that's got to be a great gift. But uh, so we created the pro category for people that maybe only have two or three books and not a whole lot of acclaim at this point, but they come in and they get a badge and they're invited to participate in programming. So we, uh, we try to help the little fish as well. And, uh, that's, you know, that's why the pro badge, uh, cause we do, we do have an awful lot of guests. I'll yeah. give you that, but we have a lot of different genres and, uh, we try to distribute those guest memberships fairly equally.
0: Which is which is just amazing.
1: As long as you're a science fiction writer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 We, I, I like I like that, you know. Yes,
0: yes. What can I say? Yes, well, you just said it. So what's the future yeah. of DragonCon as you see it right now?
1: Oh, I hate COVID. I hate it, hate it. Uh, however, uh, due to the great time of the year for us, certainly beats me in on Memorial Day. We're on Labor Day weekend. So I'm anticipating with the vaccine that we will have a show this year. And I don't know that we'll be back to our 85,000. I kind of don't think so. And we may have to cut off memberships. I hope I didn't say that. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. We definitely, uh, any of the prepays, will get them into the show. And uh, I believe we're going to be just fine with the show this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I believe that by Labor Day, anybody who wants a vaccine will probably have had the opportunity. Yeah. So we'll go from there. So I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, awards will go on. We did a, a virtual for 2020, mm-hmm. which uh, was very successful, very successful. We were on six continents and actually sold an Eternal in the Netherlands. So we were, uh, it was very successful for us.
0: Oh, that's great. So um, in terms of, let's make it very clear for anybody who wants to be able to check out and find DragonCon. So it's just, everything you need to know about DragonCon is there at DragonCon.org. There's not any other separate directories? No,
1: DragonCon.org is our website, uh, except no substitutes. Um, And you can find just about everything there. If if you do for some reason have a problem, Google DragonCon Awards and it's all there. Uh, I looked this morning.
2: Okay. (laughs) Okay,
0: um, great.
1: So, At any rate, and we'll have guests, and we'll have a great show, I think.
0: I'm sure you so, will. If, if it happens live, it's going to be great. Yes. So we've been all over the place with this interview. Uh, anything in particular that I didn't ask?
1: Well, one thing that uh, I like to be asked is I like to be asked if I could pick any guests I wanted for Dragon Con, who would I pick? So, living Pat,
0: or dead? so Pat, if you could pick any guests for Dragon Con, living or dead, who would you pick?
1: Well, that's a very interesting question, particularly <laughs> coming from you, because I am a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan, and I always—I never pick live because I figure they can maybe happen. I pick dead because I know they never will, maybe, who knows, at any rate, but H.P. Lovecraft would be on that list. And then I need to, as you talk about our art show, I would thank Frank Frazetta. Frank Frazetta did comics, he's done illustrations, he's done an amazing amount of work. And, of course, my author, my other author guest of, of science fiction would be L. Ron Hubbard. I would, uh, just the thought of him makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Between his writing and his accomplishments, he could talk about anything. The writers of the future that he set up, man. What, what a guy. What, you know, what possessed you to, to do that for other people? So, at any rate. So, those are the three, my top of my list uh, for today. Okay. That I would, uh, I would have at DragonCon. I think they all make great guests.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been great speaking with you, Pat.
1: Thank you, guys, for the opportunity.
0: Sure. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We have also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are a contest created by Elmer Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Pat.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, John.